And then finally, Athens Squire, the best Georgia football podcast. Hail and well met. Hail and well met, sir. (laughs) Sir Squire. What a chivalrous thing of you to say. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And today we're going to talk about the universe, the upcoming game against the University of Kentucky. Uh, the, the University of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Yes, the, the bluest school in all of the Commonwealth. What is a Commonwealth, Nathan? Well, I mean, politically speaking, there's no difference between a Commonwealth and a state. I think it has more to do with the... I think it has more to do with the original charters under which the states were formed. Okay. And they just stayed that way? They said, well, we've just always done it this way. Yeah. Why it's change Kentucky, it? It's Kentucky, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Virginia. Puerto Rico is a commonwealth, and so is the Northern, Northern Mariana Islands. But those two are actual commonwealths with a different, uh, a different, I don't know, set of concepts. Commonwealthian a, rules. Well, yeah, because like Northern Mariana Islands and Puerto Rico are designated commonwealths in the sense that they have a limited form of sovereignty under um, international law, but they are still part of the United States. You know, I don't know what I was expecting when I asked you to explain what a commonwealth was, but you did a wonderful job. Thank you. (laughs) I wasn't, I don't know what I was expecting. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And the original commonwealth was actually like, (laughs) it was the political basis for like the British empire. So like. Uh, like Rwanda and India were, uh, you know, part of the Commonwealth. Oh, and so, so like I, Kentucky still observes the queen. I mean, <laughs> Dolly Parton, maybe <laughs> I know Dolly Parton's from Tennessee, but if you don't, if you don't fuck with Dolly Parton, then we ain't friends. See, that one was worth it. That was good. That one was worth it. That one was worth it. That one. All right. Let's talk about subjective narratives. How about yeah. it? The big subjective. Yeah. Sub- the big subjective narrative going in this game is are the Bulldogs worth anything? That's basically what I'm seeing everywhere. They're coming off a rough week. Uh, how will UGA answer? Are they any good? You know, what does this team actually look like? They've been exposed, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think? I mean, I think that's, that's so stupid. That's such a mm-hmm. like, okay. So, there's this concept called regression to the mean, which is the idea that when you have like an anomalous result and when you have an anomalous outcome, it's unlikely to repeat itself. And when we're talking about regression to the mean, one of the problems that we have is that we often apply the pessimism fallacy to it, which is the idea that like we assume that random chance has to be negative. So it's actually just as likely that we will regress back to a positive mean as that we will regress back to a negative one. Right. So, for instance, like a negative example of this is like if you cause 24 f- fumbles on a year and you recover 20 of them, you're incredibly unlikely to do that the next year, right? Mm-hmm. Simultaneously, if you lose three of your four games that are decided by one possession, you're also very unlikely to do that in the next year in a positive way. So we can apply that on a case-by-case basis across an individual games and the season as a whole. So by that standard, I don't... I think the way UGA is, ans- is going to answer is just to play. They'll play better, but also, you know, entropy and chance or fate or whatever the, the whims of the Greek gods 
and not the Mycenaean Greek gods, the syncretized mm-hmm. Greek gods. Um, the whims of the Greek gods will just, you know, if we get two, if we get half the bounces instead of none of the bounces, we'll probably win this game running away. And if we actually play a good game, we're going to blow this team out. Hey, I mean, so go ahead. That's, I mean, that, that is a hundred percent true. That's a football. <laughs> that, yeah. That's that, a football. that was, that's the thing that I don't know that I, I mean, we got very emotional and I think the last episode we did a really good job getting emotional and we got a lot of compliments and I appreciate everybody who listened to it. Uh, and you know, Turner Hawkins said a really nice thing to me about it and it made me really happy. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know that I got across the idea in the last episode clearly enough that last last the last game, like UGA genuinely should have won it, and that's not sour grapes. No, <laughs> like that's that's very if, true. If, if just one break goes differently, will we win that game? And I'm not saying that to make anybody feel bad. I'm saying that if you don't want to make a fool of yourself as a predictor, it actually makes more sense to think about to think about the games, the coming games more in the reference somewhere between the, the reference point of UGA sucks and lost to South Carolina, which is not true. We did lose South Carolina. We don't suck. And UGA is going to go undefeated and win, right? Like it's in between those two, but even in between those two, it's probably still enough to beat Kentucky by like 15, 20 points. Yeah. The numbers uh, in this case did lie. Unfortunately, uh, typically they don't well, no, lie. They, they didn't lie. No, they didn't even lie though. They in didn't some even ways lie. They lied though. No, they didn't lie because that would imply that the numbers are responsible for what is a statistically anomalous event. By the very definition of a statistical anomaly, it's mm-hmm. an outlier, right? We just we yeah. just had an outlier outcome, right? Those numbers are still true. It's pretty clear to me, not pretty clear to me. I feel that it's very likely that South Carolina has a really embarrassing loss for us. Like they lose to someone and we're like, oh, how did we lose to this team? I think that's probably going to happen in the next couple of weeks. So another thing people are talking about, old Marky Stoops, Mark Tommy Stoops, the head coach at Kentucky, they're talking about, will this be his statement game now that the, the Bulldogs are coming off of a upsetting loss? Uh, will this be a statement game? Will you talk to me about, what do you know about old Mark Stoops? What's he up to? I mean, he's a good coach. I don't think this mm-hmm. is going to be a statement win. I, you know, he came into... He came into Lexington and had some really good ideas about how to recruit the area and he scraped a lot of kids out of Cincinnati and he did a really good job of finding skill talent and ended up with sort of a generational team last year. I think I don't, you know, I mean, he is obviously a Stoops brother. Um, so, you know, he's Mark's, I think he's the oldest brother. I, I don't know off the top of my head, which one he is, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, He's a good coach. I mean, he's done really good things with, uh, he's done very, very good things with Kentucky. Uh, Stoops is a coach who actually is, he got a start at Kansas State. Uh, he was the defensive backs coach under Bill Snyder. So he's got some of that in his DNA. He got his big break at Wyoming and he was under Dana, Dana Dimmel. And then when Dana Dimmel in like the early 2000s, late 90s, I think maybe 2000, uh, moved to, uh, Houston, he was the uh, defensive coordinator at Houston as well. Then he got hired away by Miami in 2001, and I'm pretty sure that was like the very end of... I think 2001 was the very end of the Jimmy Johnson era and the very beginning of the um, the guy who is a Florida coach right now. I forget his name. Damn. Uh, era. No. No, no, no. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, so he was at Miami br- briefly. Then when Mike got hired as Arizona in 2004... Mark got pulled over to Arizona for a little bit. Then he was at Florida State. 
as the defensive coordinator for a bit, and then he was at Kentucky. Uh, he is a defensive backs guy. He's a defensive guy by nature. He is not a sort of like two gap three, four guy off of the Saban tree or whatever. He tends to be pretty, I think, you know, I mean, everybody basically runs dime with either three or four downs now. So it's hard to say like you're, you're either running nickel or dime, like, you know, 50, 60% of the time. So saying whether he's a three, four coach or four, four coach is kind of irrelevant, but he does like to bring pressure occasionally. Um, he has produced some very good defensive ends. He has coached some pretty good defensive backs. He seems to be an all around pretty good. Uh, he's a pretty good recruiter. He's a pretty good program builder. I mean, I have, I, I think Mark Stoops has probably a brighter future in coaching than Will Muschamp, honestly, because mm-hmm. you know, what he's done at Kentucky is actually pretty impressive. 2019 is his seventh year at Kentucky. So in his, he went two and 10, five and seven, five and seven, seven and six, seven and six, 10 and three. And now he's three and three. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty good, man. I mean, going, you know, his, his current record right now is 39 and 42 with uh, three bowl appearances and at Kentucky taking over a very, very, very bad Kentucky team. That's pretty good. I, I don't, you know, I mean, he the, he actually, interestingly enough, was the guy who spawned out Neil Brown, the guy at Troy, uh, who is sort of a fast up and cover. No, not at Troy. Neil Brown is now at West Virginia. So, I mean, he definitely has a pedigree and he's from the right family and he's done really good recruiting. Ultimately, I don't know how much it matters because there's a really big talent gap between these two teams. And I know mm-hmm. what you're going to say. Wasn't there a really big talent gap last week, Nathan, between South Carolina and Georgia? <laughs> and I would say, yes, that's true. But just because one thing happens doesn't mean that it's always the same because we are not all toddlers who are living in a land of things either being <laughs> bright or not bright. You have to have a sense of uh, a sense of gradation in the colors that you see, my dear. And it's like... <laughs> I, I the only way I know not how to the only way I know how to not curse is just to be deeply bitingly sarcastic at all times. So just expect that to be a thing. <laughs> it's not personal. From now on. Yeah, I'm not angry. It's just that all of the energy that I have for for cursing is now going into uh deep anger sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing going on that is probably going to affect a lot of things as far as logistics goes uh, is it's going to be rainy as hail on Saturday. So what does that look like for Redcoats? What does that look like for the rest of the team and fans? Okay. So for the Redcoats, the concern is uh, this is the homecoming weekend. So it's also the alumni band weekend. So that's a concern because it really puts the plans in flux, not because we don't want the alumni band to play, because of course we do, because our alumni band is amazing. I think it's like the 49th iteration of the alumni band. Yeah. No no joke. You, uh, the Redcoats have one of the best alumni associations in the nation, like by pretty much any metric, and they do a great job. It's just the question is going to be whether or not we will be allowed to use the field, because after some amount of wetness gets into the field, the grounds crew will just tell us that we can't march on it, which kind of makes sense, because even if it's just the alumni band, you're looking at like 200, you know, yeah, that's a lot of people out on the field. So um, that is the biggest flex thing. I mean, in terms of the band, the fact of the matter is that unless there's a lightning delay, we're going to be there. And even if there's a lightning delay, we're just going to go up under the tunnel and sit there for a while until it ends. So we're going to be there one way or the other. Mm-hmm. They don't okay. leave. The band don't leave. That's one of the things. That's one of the like sort of, 
uh, not jokes, but like recurring memes is the idea that like a freshman asking if they get the third quarter off because in high school, most bands give uh, the entire band oh, yeah. the third quarter off. That is not a thing in Redcoats. So, and <laughs> there, there is, there seems to be, uh, you know, Redcoats as an organization, one of the things that I like the most about them is that they have a real edge to them, a real kind of like, um, and, uh, and a certain attitude evocative of words that we're no longer going to say. <laughs> and and one of the ways that that expresses is like with like in 2015 when we lost when we lost to Alabama by like 50 points the redcoats were like playing very loudly into an empty stadium down 30 covered in like the biggest rainstorm i've seen in a very long time and just like if this is death that i i embrace it <laughs> I, I, death can't touch me like just i really so yeah that's what we'll be doing um for the team you know i have a fear i have a concern okay. that uh the if it rains a lot kirby's gonna be like well oh no Br'er rabbit i guess i have to run the ball 85 times <laughs> i guess we have to get a fullback again i actually would love having a fullback again because then we can run the toss That'd sweep be or whatever cool. I, I miss the toss sweep that's like one of my favorite plays in football anyway um I don't know. Like I how much effect it'll have, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously if we need to run, we can run. I don't know that it's really an advantage either way because at the end of the day, Kentucky is by their very nature not a team that is going to throw a lot. Yeah. So It's not really their thing. They're going to try to they're going to try to run it anyway. So yeah. we might as well return the favor. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they're they're going to try to run it anyway, whether or not it's raining or not. So I don't think it's going to affect their plan. Uh huh. Yeah, their uh, their their whole quarterback crew. They're down to like their their third and fourth string quarterback. Actually, pulling in a receiver, their wide receiver, to be their quarterback now. Which for any other team, that would have probably been a huge issue. But last week, with one of my new favorite players from Kentucky, uh, Lynn Bowden, the dude was quarterback last week. He scored three touchdowns. Two of them were rushing, and one of them he received one back in the in the wide receiver role but he's on the depth chart four times next week <laughs> he's yeah the quarterback he is a receiver he's the returner and the uh the punt returner and the kick returner which i think is yeah. hilarious it's all over the place yeah but he yeah, almost he ran is, for 200 yards well he's not i don't believe he's the starting quarterback this week right i don't believe he is i think he's listed as the the backup. Uh, terry but that was what it was face? last week i think it's yeah. still is it not sawyer smith still oh no yeah yeah no he got hurt so yeah it's sawyer smith the guy who was like a mac transfer mm-hmm. um yeah terry ba- terry bowden's or uh, lynn bowden's lynn bowden. uh, terry bowden there god go. much different lynn bowden very very different um very different than terry bowden but mm-hmm. lynn bowden's a very good player uh, Turner Hawkins sent me an Ask CBC about like why is Lynn Bowden going to be the best offensive skill player on the on the field next week, and I would say because his name is not DeAndre Swift, but whatever, uh, he is he is very good. I mean he he is going to give us fits because he's a very good player. I don't know that he they have enough balance in their offense to do anything more than just piss us off, but you know I've been wrong before. Yeah, but still. But I think if he's they a, had, a, a, very had a better player. offensive line, that he would be more dangerous yeah, against sure, this team. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. last week he looked really dangerous because they were playing against Arkansas. Right. Uh, hapless, so, hapless Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, so 
that's all the subjective narratives I have. You want to talk about the Winsipedia real quick? <laughs> Let's do it. This is this the saddest Winsipedia? Will no, we already had Vandy's Winsipedia. That one might be actually sadder. no. The South Carolina one looked just as sad as this one does. That's a thing. So I've been burnt before. Two and twelve, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty much what the the South Carolina one looked like, and and the argument there was. They always want to make it a rivalry. People talk about it being a rivalry. It's not a rivalry. You know, we don't think it's still not a rivalry. No, still not a rivalry. It's still not a rivalry. It's still not a rivalry. No. And I I, clicked this link and it just says the 58, 2 and 12. And then below where it would normally have the stats just says Kentucky is a Florida, uh, a a basketball school. Uh, Because they are. Oh, really? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It doesn't say that. But they are. 2004, we beat this team 62 to uh, 17. Yeah. Man, I will say, like, I have been here for. I was here one year when we lost to Kentucky, and it was it was not great. It was not like fun. In 2009, 34-27 with Mark Richt. Oof. Yep, that was not super great. Yeah, we've had. A, I think we also wins. we also lost in. I think we lost to them in 2006 as well. Um. Yes, 2006, 24 to 20, and then yeah, uh, that game sucked. Yeah, since 2013, we've had a 59-17 win, 63-31 win, 27-3 win. 27-24, that was Kirby Smart's first year. 42-13, last year's 34-17 in Lexington. I would mm-hmm. not expect this game to go all that much different, especially since last year's Kentucky team was uh, significantly better, better than this year's Kentucky yeah. team. This year's Kentucky team doesn't have Benny Snell or Josh Allen. Yeah, and those two players, they were outstanding. Like Those were two of the, my favorite skill players in the entire SEC, other than Georgia players, uh, just to watch and, and just to kind of see what they could scrap together. Like last year was just, it was a fun team to watch and I have no ill will towards Kentucky so I can say as many good things as I want <laughs> about them. Uh, but yeah, the, the stats actually though, once again, just like South Carolina, it's just not a team who has ever really done much as a football team. And that's all it is. They've, they've focused on other yeah. things. Uh, they, they've never really had a really strong recruiting. Um, I think after last year, they're actually pulling in more players and the SEC East needs to get stronger and people are you know, stroking their egos in the sense that they're trying to say, you know, come to our school, you know, we're the school that will finally bring down uh, Georgia and the SEC East will be the next Auburn and or, you know, LSU kind of thing to their Alabama. And Kentucky's trying I mean, to buy that, that spot. South Carolina and Florida are too. So that ain't going to happen, but it's not going to yeah. happen anytime soon. It's going to, a lot of things have to happen for that thing to change. Um, well, I mean, I, at the end of the day, the, like systemically, Kentucky doesn't want to be Auburn to georgia's alabama yeah so that's why saying. it's not gonna happen yeah um anyway any anything else in our subjective narrative batch not here? particularly um moving into you want to move into stats worth highlighting because one thing i did want to talk about is something you talked about on twitter and a few other people talked about on twitter is the yeah. what bill Connolly broke down as far as jake Fromm's game goes <sighs> By talked about, did you did you mean retweet and then just (laughs) say obscenities? Retweet with a single obscenity? Yeah. Yes. Mm. So I find it interesting, and I want to talk about it because I think it's 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 something it's something that people have been talking about. This is somewhere between narrative and stats worth highlighting. I feel because there are stats involved, and it is a narrative that people are are talking about a lot. Talking about UGA's scheme being super conservative, our our offensive game is being super conservative. It's it's very slow. And so what I'm referring to is Bill Connolly wrote uh, a tweet yesterday, and it is the first 44 minutes of the game against South Carolina. Fromm was 17 for 28, 154 yards and one interception. 
uh, 99.8 rating. Uh, next 15 minutes, the rest of regulation, that's, and he puts in parentheses, when they had to take the regulator off. He was 10 for 16, 136 yards, a touchdown, an interception, 142 rating. In the last minute, plus overtime, he was 1 for 7, 5 yards, 1 interception, negative 8.3 rating. And then he put in all caps, just keep your foot on the gas. And so is there anything within our stats now that we can use to either... I mean, these are stats, of course, but is, is there anything we can say to kind of either dispel this or talk about how that is truly the issue that our play calling is way too conservative or, or where are we in this right now? I'm sorry. I just rage whited out there. So you're going to have to repeat <laughs> the entire question. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, oh my God. I know it's hard. It just makes me, please don't. Like, don't take out this long pause because I'm so angry. God almighty. Um, anything in our stats. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, UGA is uh, 71st in passing explosiveness rate in the nation. Which is good for so, flat average. Yeah, it's that's not good. No. Not good. And And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, it's not just explosiveness. That doesn't tell you the whole story. But I, I think overall... This is a team that is ready and willing at any time to go into a shell. And that makes me so angry, <laughs> so <laughs> angry um, that I just I don't even know what to do with that. Like, I just win the game like this. is Oh, I, I can't I can't talk about this cogently. I'm sorry. We have to move on. Like, <laughs> genuinely, I'm, it makes me so angry. I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I like I'm twitching. Uh huh. Well. Let's talk about this then. Win the game. Just win the game. Instead of talking about specific things like that, then the, one other thing that came up was was talking about the conservative play calling. And <sighs> something I've I've read a little bit is that the the package that we're putting together is conservative itself. Like we're not changing the package at all. It's pretty much the same thing that we're passing out of and running out of, which some could argue that the play action is more powerful coming out of that because you know, defense, teams defending against it, they see the same thing out there. And so they yeah, can't yeah. immediately mm-hmm. choose how to, how to defend against it. But what, what can you add to, to that idea? Well, just gonna make for you the, <laughs> no, I need to, I need to process this for the play action to work. You actually have to use the play action. Yeah, that is true. Which is something we don't seem to be doing. No, it is not. Oh my god. That makes me so angry. Have I made you speechless at this point? Well, it's it's not like the numbers, the success rate numbers, the number numbers tell a story, but it's not just the numbers that are the problem, right? And I've talked about this like we we I I got into this conversation about Twitter. You know, there's been a really big discussion about running versus passing on early downs when do we use the play action what kind of formations are we running out of ultimately the real problem i think is like what is our second plan not just what is our plan b what is our counter punch f of what we want to do it seems clear to me that we want to run out of the shotgun it seems clear to me that we want to throw down the sidelines that's great those are good identities what do we do when they take that away because they're going to right how do we throw over the middle what do we do to run outside? What do we do with mixed direction? How do we scheme our best playmakers over? 
How do we get our best playmakers on the field and not just look at how many years they've been on the roster? There's so many. Nathan, calm down. Calm down, Nathan. Okay. <laughs> it just, it, it's just, th- there's no, the thing. Okay. Like, here's the thing I like about Mike Leach. I I don't like a lot of things about who Mike Leach is as a person or his opinions about things in the rest of the world. But in terms of football, the thing that I like about Mike Leach is that he there is a core philosophy that runs through every decision that he makes on the football field for how his offense works, right? The idea being, get the ball to playmakers in space, overcome your talent deficiency with, with speed and hurry up, run a dead simple system with a lot of window dressing, and, ha- and have your quarterbacks throw to spots and not to receivers. That... Those like that set of four or five tenets, those are developed. They are mature ideas. They require a sense of sort of artistry in the calling of a game. And they have a they are they are objective, attainable goals, right? Mm-hmm. My 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 frustration with Kirby and with James Coley by extension, I guess, but I think this is mainly a Kirby thing, is I think if you were asked if you ask him what do you want to do on offense, he would say, I want to run the ball, I want to be physical. Neither only one of those is objective and neither neither of those are actionable, right? There's no there's no physicality meter that like fills up and then you get your limit break. This is not Final Fantasy. There's no amount of like establishing your dominance with the run that wins you a game. What wins you games is successful plays, explosive plays, and points. Right? We don't want to buy you this is it's very similar. It's very similar to in you know, in Moneyball, there's this scene in the movie, but it's also in the uh, it's also in the book where they talk about like you don't want to buy home runs, right? You don't want you want to buy runs. That's what you want to buy. You want to buy average. You want to buy runs, right? So this was kind of one of the early arguments for uh, using instead of batting average, using on base percentage, right? Because people who get on on base score runs, and so it's. I feel it's a similar thing for us. Like we don't we don't want to buy physicality. We want to buy wins. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a very good stat uh, expected points added that we've been kind of working with over it's at the SB Nation analytics site where we can track each play and what each play adds to how like how many points each play is worth objectively. And so, not even using that stat, but just thinking about each decision through that heuristic, right? Because that this is my problem. It's like sometimes we get the ball and it's like, okay, we're winning now. Uh, let's just like run it up the middle a few times and b- b- burn the clock. Okay, cool. So how many points did we get with that drive? I don't mean how many points do we get in actuality, but I mean how many points in the outcome of the game with that was that drive worth, right? And then that sort of regressive, low margin, small C conservatives, farmers saving for when the rain comes thinking influenced us. I think when we were losing, not when we were winning. And so that's, this is, this is, that's my problem. I don't know how long we've, I've been talking. I feel like I'm about to have an aneurysm. We need to move (laughs) on. It's Friday. Now, uh, do you want to actually, you have been talking for a while, but I want, I want you to kind of walk us through some stats for these two teams. Do you want to start with some, some of these stats? Yeah, so let's talk about when Georgia has the ball first, I think. Um, it's easiest for me because this is when this is the way that we organize our stats at SB Nation. And so instead of just sort of going, I'm going to try to be a little bit more organized about this going forward. So instead of just saying like, well, I like this stat and I like this stat, I'm going to just try to give you when Georgia has the ball and when Kentucky has the ball. Yeah. So when Georgia has the ball, 
it is it is certainly a mismatch top to bottom, right? Uh, yards per play ranking, Georgia is sixth overall, Kentucky's eighty fourth. Uh, yards per attempt, which includes sack yardage from uh, the quarterbacks, uh, Georgia is sixteenth, and Kentucky is forty seventh. Yards per carry, uh, this is uh, excluding sack yardage. Uh, Georgia is eighth. Kentucky is a hundred and twenty first. Oof. Uh, on defense and then uh third down conversion rate uh, georgia is 24th and kentucky is 104th in terms of you know stuff rate uh kentucky is only stuffing the ball about 18 percent of the time while georgia is only surrendering a stuffed run that is to say like only running a play that ends, uh, ends in a stuff about 13 percent of the time good for ninth in the nation it, this is like from the the broad view without drilling down too far this is a, a very very big mismatch when georgia has the ball now that's what i said last week so who knows what what comes out of that locker room but if this team plays even like it has on average this should be a a good game for georgia now kentucky is yeah. actually relatively good on defense at creating havoc they're 21st in the nation they create havoc on about 23% of plays however that doesn't even really run into Georgia's like strengths or to Georgia's weaknesses because on offense Georgia is only surrendering twelve percent of its plays as havoc plays, which is good for sixth in the nation. So from from a like you know ten thousand foot view, this is a huge a huge mismatch when Georgia and Kentucky play, and we are going to continue to trust the stats in this podcast because if we can't trust the stats, why are we even doing this? Yeah. Anyway, moving on, explosive <laughs> play rate. So breaking it down sort of more by play type. Georgia, uh, 31st in the nation, explosive play rate. Uh, Kentucky is surrendering 81st. Now, that is a really big gap when we look at rushing explosive plays. Georgia is uh, scoring rushing explosive plays at 11th in the nation, and Kentucky is 113th. But on passing explosive plays, it is much different, actually. Georgia is uh, 71st in the nation at 14% uh, uh, on passing explosive plays. Whereas Kentucky is 36th in the nation, only surrendering 12%. So I think that probably is just by personality because Kentucky likes to run a lot of too high stuff. And I haven't watched a lot of their games, but traditionally they play a lot of zone. So that probably has something to do with that. They're just kind of trying to keep everything in front of them. Um, Scoring opportunities is pretty even, both at 53rd. So when Georgia has the ball, there aren't really a lot of things that Kentucky is going to outrank Georgia at even, even the things that Georgia is bad at, like Georgia is only 24th in the nation at third down success rate. Um, but Kentucky is 104th. So, I mean, and then even on first downs, I mean, first down success rate, uh, Georgia is second on offense and Kentucky on defense is 95th. Right. So I, that we should be able to score at will on this team, even with rain, even with bad weather, there's no reason we can't score 30 points on this game, on this team. Like I have, I have a really hard time, I like I will then I if we don't score I don't know 24 26 points on this Kentucky team I will go from hey let's just trust the numbers there's no reason to get too shitty about it or whatever to absolute rage like rage rage so much rage <laughs> flames Ra- I, from flames, the side of my face yeah I you just I if we can't score three or four touchdowns at least on this team I just I I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say if we can't do that. Like I we have we have a, we have a big problem. When Kentucky has the ball, it is a mismatch, but 
not quite as much of a mismatch. Looking at the just general stats, Kentucky is 85th in yards per play on offense. Uh, Georgia is 13th on defense. Kentucky is 107th on yards per attempt on offense, and Georgia is 13th in surrendering them. I don't think that Kentucky is going to throw the ball a lot. This would be that would be my premise. I think they are going to run the ball a lot. I think oh, yeah. that we will. That's kind of the thing. Yeah, I sort of casually talked about earlier how everybody's always in nickel. I don't think we're going to be in nickel a lot because they're going to run the ball. Uh, their yards per carry, excluding yaks, uh, uh, excluding sack yardage, is good for 30th in nation uh, at 5.63. The national average on that is right around 4.9, so that's good. Uh, the yards per uh, the yards per carry surrendered by Georgia is at 3.75, which is good for 16th in the nation. So not as big of a gap there. They're pretty good at running. They're going to want to run the ball. Although, you know, we said that about South Carolina, and South Carolina just gave up running the ball about halfway yeah. through. God, that game. Know. That third down conversion rate, Kentucky, 75th in the nation, Georgia, 19th, surrendering in defense. Now, explosiveness rate, uh, Kentucky is pretty good at it, as I said. Uh, but Georgia's even better at defending it. They're good. They have about 50th in the nation, and Georgia, but it, Georgia has fourth in the nation defending that. Same for for uh, havoc rate. Georgia is it's it's kind of a similar thing where Georgia's weaknesses don't match up very well with Kentucky's strength from Kentucky's perspective. Georgia is only the 63rd. Georgia is 63rd in the nation at creating havoc rate, but uh, Kentucky is only is 95th in the nation at uh, letting it happen on offense. Now, if we kind of get, drill down a little bit more into explosive play rate. Uh, Kentucky is 101st in the nation in passing explosive play rate. Georgia is fourth. Kentucky is 19th in the nation, however, in rushing explosive play rate. This is going to be a game where they want to run the ball. They're going to get Lynn Bowden the, the, the ball in his hands in a multitude of ways, and they want him to run it. I mean, I, to me, that's the overall, to me, that's the takeaway stats-wise. Georgia should beat this team pretty soundly. Kentucky is going to try to run the ball. They're pretty good at it. If Georgia can stop the run, which they've been really good at this year for whatever reason, despite me feeling like we haven't, <laughs> you know, we're going to win this game running away. And if we oh, yeah. score, I don't know, 18 points or fewer, we might have to end this podcast permanently because I might just be dead. <laughs> Bury the man between the hedges. There, there's been a lot of like Justin laughs at Nathan being angry in this. There has been. I've, I've really appreciated. This is a new thing. The, the, um, the catching yourself as you get too angry and worked up and you talk yourself back down. At least it's a new thing to the outside world. Maybe you've been doing that all along, but I've really enjoyed that. Well, that's that is probably the closest I've ever gotten to like being Nathan like as a teacher, being Mr. Lawrence on the podcast. Cuz uh-huh. I do that a lot as I do that a lot as a teacher. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty much ourselves on the show, but we turn on a little bit. There's I mean, th- there's a bit of a character. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm I'm like pretty i'd say i'm like 95 percent of athens nathan on the show mm-hmm. but i'm only like 40 percent of commerce nathan <laughs> i don't even know commerce nathan he's a, a very grumpy grumpy man i can imagine you got to be as a teacher i'm married to one i get it it's not it's not grumpy it's like i have i my credulity my my incredulity at you is so high my skepticism <laughs> at just your bullshit is so deep that I can't it's it's hard for me to even look at you at any given moment. I have actually multiple times said to my class, I must be having a stroke because there's no way that I'm not hallucinating what you are currently doing. And that is not a very <laughs> Athens Nathan thing to say. What are some things you want to see? What do I want to see? Points, baby. 
I want to see us throw it down the field. Points, I baby. See us... Okay, yeah, but specifically, I don't want us to take any snaps under center unless we're kneeling the ball. I don't. I would really, 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 really like to see Jake Fromm keep the ball a couple of times on the read option or run the bash again. I also would like to see us run a counter out of the read option or just a counter play. Period. I would love it if we would throw the ball to our young freshman wide receivers who are very talented. And I don't like to call out players on this play on this in on the show. So I'm going to try to phrase this in a positive way. I think that it would be good if despite all his wonderful contributions to this team, Tyler Simmons got a little bit less playing time. Yeah. Just move the ball around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of conflict theory thrown in there. You know, there's yeah, only so many a, resources. Yeah. So let's stop fighting and, for them all. <laughs> yeah. Let's just give the ball to the people who are the most talented instead of just the people who we think are around good the at blocking. Yeah. 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 What other things do you want to see? I would really love to see. I mean, I think this defense is actually playing really well. That was yeah. one of the like worst kept secrets in. The, I mean, the worst kept secret of the South Carolina game is that, that despite a couple of lapses, the defense kind of kept us in the game. And I I just want to see the offense look explosive. I want to see them look fluid. I want to see us step on their throats. I hate that's such a cliche. I want to see us get up by 24 and then score again. I'd like mm. to have a garbage time score or two. If we're up That'd by 24, really nice. I want to see us throwing the ball down the field. I want to see us running. I want to see us executing. I want to see us just scoring. Like get to 30, 35 on, on this team because it sh- you should be able to do that. Like I have the shivers. I just got so angry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't it's mean okay. to do this to you. I know I exploit you a little bit at times and I give you the dance monkey dance, but I don't want to make you sad. No, it's, I'm not sad. I'm just so angry I can't see. All right. You want to do some over-unders? Yeah, let's do some over-unders. <laughs> All right. I got a few for you. Ready? All right, so over under Jake from 20 and a half attempted passes. And this is important because every game prior to last week, Jake Fromm's passed uh, 22, like 26, 24, but his completion rate's been around 70% plus. So I'm going to say over that. I, th- I think he'll go over, but I think it'll be like 23. Okay, we return to, to what we have done. To form, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm going to say under for the sake of being different. You know, it could be a game where we're super efficient and we keep the ball on the ground because it is so wet and we see mm-hmm. uh, a, a Jake Fromm of the past few years game where it's 15, 17 passes. Next one, over under Lynn Bowden, 100 rushing yards over under. Under? Under. He had 196 well, against Arkansas. I think we can do better than that. I think this team is really good against the run. Like, yeah. it's weird because the numbers don't, the numbers say they're better against the pass than they are against the run. But I do think that we we are really good at disrupting run plays. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. The only other quarterback we've played similar to this, one that, that rushes before they, they pass, is uh, what's-his-face from Notre Dame, Ian Book. And yeah. that was a way better offensive line than this team. Now, yeah. we could look at this and say Bowden's going to have no offensive line to kind of keep him uh, in the pocket, and so it's going to be broken down constantly, and so he's going to have to run. And so he may chip away at that yardage, but I do think that this team is way better at stuffing than any team that Kentucky's played. So we're not going to see Bowden go off. And we're traditionally pretty good at keeping single skill players uh, under wraps. Yeah. Uh, let's say over under 1.5 or over under 0.5 George Pickens TDs. Man, I really hope he gets one. I'm going to say over. 
I want to say, yeah, I want to say, I want to say under. Not because I don't think it'll happen to be a different one, but also this could be a game where we just rush, 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 and DeAndre Swift gets a ball, Zamira White maybe makes a p- passing touchdown, which is not that far-fetched. Um, and we, we kind of lay off our wide receivers, except in standard downs, just to, to keep the ball short because it is going to be so gross outside. Uh, we might not get as many explosive plays as we might want, except for maybe a few on the day just to kind of really create some separation in the score. But Cool. cool. All right. <laughs> cool. Yep. Over under two UGA players with more than 75 rushing yards. Over. Over? Yep. Um, I'm going to say over as well. That seems about right. I mean, I can see that definitely happening with a few folks. What's your last one? Over under 40 UGA points. I'm saying over because I don't want to die. Because you need this. <laughs> you need this right yeah. now. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give it the even, the old push, and say UGA gets exactly 40 points. <laughs> it's incredibly unlikely, but wouldn't it be cool if it was, if it did happen? That's all I got. Um predictions for this game. UGA is a 25 point favorite. Haven't heard that before. Uh 46 points spread. Do you have yeah. an idea I mean, of what this game looks like? SP Plus has this about a, as about a 24-point game. Or no, I think it's like a 22-point game or something. Um, oh, man. I'm going to say... All right. Let me walk, let me think about this. I think this is kind of a get-right game. I don't think that this team... I think this that we might give up a few more points than we are comfortable with. I'd say we might give up 24, 28, something like that. But I also so like in a vacuum, if we'd won the South Carolina game, I probably would say that this team would be like this would be like a, I don't know, thirty nine to, you know, or forty two to twenty four win, right? But we did lose to South Carolina, and so I just feel like that Kirby Smart, despite the slings and arrows that I have rightfully I think thrown at him in the past hour, that Kirby Smart is just like a smart guy, and so I think that he knows how to get a team motivated after a loss. And I think that this team is pretty pissed off at what they did and will take it out on South Carolina. So I'm instead of 24 points, I would probably say like 16. I really think this is going to be like Lynn Bowden has a touchdown or two. We'll say two. Uh, I would, I, I could see this being like 45, 20, like 45, 20. That's not too far off where I was putting my, my prediction at. I want to, I want to adjust my, I want to adjust mine down. I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 4220 because I do I do think that we're gonna run the ball a lot. Anyway, carry on. I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's gonna be a weird game coming off of last week. I mean, players aren't immune to the mental game that comes into having such an off week, having such a a game that is so opposite your identity that you've established. Yeah. That it that it won't affect your gameplay, and yeah. the way the fans are feeling are, are is fairly similar. I would I can only imagine the way players might be feeling, and so that's that might be something we see we might see that because of that the team comes out and actually starts really really fresh and real hot in the beginning and then kind of tapers off the way georgia does and goes into the shell as you put it earlier and Uh because of that we might get really ahead and then throw in some seconds so throw in some twos i mean um second string folks and so with that in mind i was trying to think because i said the 40 points earlier i'm like how do i get to 40 points that's that's pretty tough to do um it's like three field goals. No, it's four touchdowns and four field goals, which is not going to happen most likely. Yeah, there's no way it could be. Yeah, eh, 40 is real weird. Push was a dumb thing to say. Um, I was going to say like 
40 to 21. That's really close to your points. And I'm trying to win this season. Hmm. I'm going to go lower. I'm going to say UGA 35. Uh And Kentucky 17. Get a little bit closer. Okay. Closest two without going over. Yeah. Cool. Not too crazy. Beats the spread. Yeah. Okay. I'm turning into like the main character of Letterkenny. I'm just so like, I have so much rage. I'm just tightening down on top of it. All right. (laughs) You've been watching too much Letterkenny. (laughs) All right. Let's do it. Ask CBC. Our favorite segment, Nathan. Ask CBC. If you want to have your questions answered on the show, make sure you tag your questions with a hashtag AskCBC or send them in through Gmail or just ask us. You know, chapelbellcurve at gmail.com or yell at the real tall guy that helps the band. First question comes from the ATA presidents. Kentucky, state, not a commonwealth. True. Next. (laughs) Dirty Dan, what is y'all's favorite fall and winter beer? I like uh, Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest. That is a good one. Yeah, I like anything from Sierra Nevada. I think it's, on the East Coast at least, it's real sleeper. Um, I really enjoy the Sierra Nevada, um, the winter, like, sampler pack. I think oh, it's the winter actually, sample pack. Oh, I have a, I have a, I have a better one. What's that? The I do like that a lot. But my mm. favorite winter beer is the Steam uh, Merry Christmas. Ooh, that one's good too. My favorite fall and winter beer. I really enjoy everything by Allagash, but I really enjoy everything by Allagash in the colder months because mm-hmm. Allagash White specifically tastes like fall to me. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of saisons taste that way, but Allagash White is one that is. It, it reminds me of peeping the leaves up in maine i really mm-hmm. like it a lot um jonathan ashley asks also well this looks like it's a second question but yeah oh yeah so question. what's your favorite building in athens which is a question uh, i've been thinking about since i put it on here and i huh. still don't entirely know i don't i don't know either man that's a hard question so instead of answering this question directly i'm actually going to so i'm gonna i'm gonna share a quick story about buildings in athens kind Mm -hmm. of uh something i learned about 2014 2015 uh because after i stopped working at chick-fil-a i had some money to kind of coast on and so i i did what i called bebopping around town where i bartended and learned how to do other things in town and i just kind of generally shat around for a little while so one of the things during that period of my life i did was i found out that there are tunnels that run underneath athens proper and these tunnels were built so i'm told i don't know if this is true or not they were built a long time ago to uh, for deliveries first off but also for if during the war the civil war specifically if the north invaded athens people could escape the downtown area and leave uh essentially like but the thing is like i don't know how much truth it goes to that it, because the tunnels go to the uga cemetery or by the the stadium uh but they are they're under like all the the major bars and all the people that work at those bars use those to connect to each other some of them are collapsed but a lot of those bars uh they even have like offices down there but there's like a tunnel that runs from the grill over to uh walkers and all the way over to all good like there's so many tunnels that run underneath athens and that is not necessarily my favorite building but it connects a lot of really cool buildings in in town and i think it's mm-hmm. one of the neatest things about downtown athens that's dope 
<laughs> Do you have an um, answer? Yeah, I mean, I I really, really like that the building that Creature... I really like the style of the building that Creature Comforts is in. And I just like every building that's like that with like the big open beams and like all the brick. I guess oh, it's yeah, like, like a that. super dumb hipster answer but yeah i love i love those kind of buildings like the no, big and i love i love creature comfort's ceiling the barrel top ceiling uh, yeah i think it's really cool it is really cool yeah uh jonathan anyway. actually second question is what would the season have to look like for to change kirby's mind about offensive strategy i mean i think we'd have to really really crap the bed like eight and four seven and five kind of things mm-hmm uh, then Banshee is hell, don't they? At Banshee Radio. We used to have a lot of Banshee Radio questions. I haven't seen them uh, yeah. this year as much. Statistically speaking, what level of Dante's Inferno are we? Is there hope for redemption? <laughs> yeah, I think we're only in the first or second level where it's like just Virgil and uh, Dante like kind of floor playing a little bit. I think we get <laughs> out of this. John Powell actually asks, is there truth in the narrative I keep hearing about the lack of creativity on offense, specifically that we just don't that we just do run run pass? Correct me if I'm wrong, but we had an even distribution run pass on first down last game, right? Yeah, and so that I think is a false narrative. But I think the real narrative is just that like we don't have much of a philosophy on offense. Next question comes from Sambo. How do I hope, <laughs> Sambo? Sambo, we both know good, good, and well that you guys we both know that you are the most like upbeat beautiful human in the world you know how to hope it's it's coming out of your pores uh ryan asks do you think we can turn the season around and make a statement this weekend it could be one i'm sorry i have all these like one sentence answers yeah but it's true i mean it's a lot uh, some of these questions we've talked about already so it's fine yeah, yeah. i think that's totally fine uh abby key asks favorite halloween movies uh hocus pocus always hocus pocus hocus pocus is so yeah. good uh I, yeah that's probably uh, i really also like nosferatu the like mid-30s uh-huh. german film i like m we already talked about m uh yep. i really like nightmare before christmas uh-huh. is really good i like the original casper the friendly ghost one movie there's a real sleeper that people forget about halloween town it's a dope yeah it's a dope the movie. disney channel original movie halloween town and then uh, my actual favorite Halloween movie, which is really just a, a movie I watch in the fall, is the movie we're watching tomorrow night is Over the Garden Wall. Everyone should watch Over the Garden Wall. It is set during Halloween, but I won't tell you any more about the movie. Yes, it's beautiful. Eric Russell. Russell. I missed the South Carolina game while camping with my family. Can I use the loss as an excuse to never miss a game again? That's yes. the secret. 100%. Yeah. Get yes. that grift on. <laughs> uh second question do the dogs come out with their hair on fire against uh, kentucky this weekend to make a statement like last week was a fluke or do we have another slow start man ball game i mean i think they will but who knows yeah hard to say i hope that we do but it's it's hard to say like if last week was an anomaly that doesn't change that we've kind of started slow the whole season you know uh joel is kentucky even a real state no. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, but it's also a common one. <laughs> it's a technicality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, second question. What are you playing currently? I'm playing Code Vein, mm-hmm. which I really like. I got a... Code Vein is like Dark Souls, but it's also an anime boy dress-up simulator, and I really like it. <laughs> I'm is gonna... I'm playing... Oh, yeah. Like, it has a Griffin McElroy level character creator. Oh, yes. I uh, need fashion yeah, in the game. 
oh my god dude it, it is just fashion like i spent like an hour and a half on my character um <laughs> i like code vein a lot i'm also playing a lot of uh option or oxygen not included which is kind of like terrarium meets like a prison architect kind of thing it's very fun uh what are you playing these days i am when i have time still playing a whole bunch of um dota underlords and team fight tactics and like i have this internal struggle trying to decide which one i enjoy more because i have this problem where i'm like team fight tactics is so neat and it's based in league of legends world and league of legends is a game i played for like the past decade off and on and so whenever i play it i'm like i should keep playing this game more but dota underlords has a quality to it that just allows me to kind of play it over and over and over again and it's kind of mindless if you want it to be but if you take Uh a step up like there's a lot of strategy involved and they're about to release the game fully like next week, which is very exciting. You should check it out if you haven't. All right. Ian Boatman and he's really, really, he's a really good fan. So of this podcast and of UGA. So he had some really good thoughts about our last episode and what he preached about it, appreciated about UGA. And we just want to read this bad boy out here. I know all y'all talked about the why you are thankful for UGA thing in your last episode and may want to move on to other things in tonight's recording. Nope. I don't uh-huh. even care if my story gets brought up. I just want to share it with at least with Twitter. Never wanted to go anywhere else except UGA on November 16th, 2012 at 4.15 p.m. Eastern Standard. I was accepted to the greatest university in the world. Four years of undergrad paved the way for two years of grad school in Athens. The greatest six years of my life. This beautiful university and, and town changed my life. I met my girlfriend in the lobby at Creswell in October of 2015. Our four-year anniversary is this December. I spent four years with the crazy kids on Spike, Quad and, Spike Squad and was president of it my junior year. Which meant he was like in Spike Squad when it was like coming up. Oh yeah, when it first started. Um, I've been given so many gifts. I've laughed till I was blue in the face, hysterically cried, and so much more. I come from the atmospheric sciences program within the geography department. Was exposed to some of the most selfless individuals I've ever known in my life. Oh, I bet he knows Dr. Knox. I, love I was Dr. about to Knox. say the same thing, yeah. A simple walk around the pines and magnolias on campus will make me cry, thinking about the countless memories of what of what made me. I think about who I was then and who it was that shaped me into the man I am today. The friends, the hellos, the goodbyes. Athens is home. I moved out in July, officially bringing my six years to a close. Wherever I go, I'm reminded if an, of an old university PSA commercial with the chapel bell, minus the curve. You may leave it, but it never leaves you. And by the way, that commercial was one of the inspirations for the name of the show. Mm-hmm. I got a coffee at a coffee shop out of state recently. I was wearing a UGA red polo. The barista handed me an iced coffee with Go Dogs written in red Sharpie. The UGA Alumni Association tells me I will never bark alone, and I believe it. In closing to my winding story, the people, the places, the memories, and more, that's what the University of Georgia gave me. That's what it gives to us. Thank you, Justin and Nathan, for spreading the love of our home. Once always, Go Dogs. Great job, Ian. Very moving. Yes, I like that one a lot. All right. Let's, talk, let's go to our trolliest corner of the internet. Uh, yeah, the Dr. James Fairfield Troll Corner presented by Cheerween, the the wine, <laughs> Cheerwine, Cheerween, the wine that the wine what gives you diabetes. TM, 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 Cheerween. TM. It yes. is pretty close to Halloween, so that's fine. This is Cheerween. This is Cheerween. <laughs> Cheerween, Cheerween. What do you want to see from this team to feel good going into the UF game? Uh, I want to see us dominate Kentucky, like offensively all the way, the whole time. Is Kentucky the undercat of the East? Haha. It's like underdog. Um, no, I get it. Yeah, I guess. You know, Missouri might be the undercat. I do think that, yeah, they're the actual undercat of the East. Missouri is going to be there technically, and I'm using air quotes, and this is a vi- this is an audio medium, but Missouri is on top right now. 
in the conference. So that's a thing that we have to worry about. We're all worrying about Florida and Auburn, but Missouri's over there like, we'll see you in a few weeks. Did you know Bearfield Plantation has the largest bonsai tree in North America? Okay, I didn't know that, but I'm also trying to like verify that this is a place that exists. I tried to. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I can't. I can't verify, but I believe you, sort of, a little bit. Can Can I get the plot of a fanfic written about this podcast? It definitely would be a slice of slice of life fluff fanfic with like no actual sex. It would just be us being sweet boys and like cooking dinner and like going to street fairs and walking through the falling <laughs> cherry blossoms. So our actual life. Yeah. Basically. I've read a lot of fanfic. I've read a lot of fan fiction. Like I would be like a barista who was like working on his play and but I'm like really mean and angry. And you would be like the sweet like hipster girl who always wears an infinity scarf and you would come in and I would like look really angry and glower, but I would always give you like free coffee. And then you would like ask about my play sometimes. And uh-huh. Then eventually we would have this like meeting, this moment where you stayed too late and I had to kick you out because I had to close. And then because of that, I was like, well, you can stay around while I mop up. And then we talk a little bit and I find out they're like, oh, you're actually a really talented actress. And then we read some lines together. <laughs> anyway. Will you please write anyway. this now? Now I want to know how it ends. I definitely could. Anyway, will the DT coming off injury make an impact on our strong defense? Uh, I don't. Are, who is Jordan Davis? Jordan Davis, I think, is probably the one he's talking about. Yes, yeah. he's a very good player. All right, we have one more thing to do before we got out. Before we get out of here, and that is that one of our very lovely readers sent me a very sweet DM about Rangers. like, hey, I left you a iTunes review, and I'd love you to read it because she did. She left me. A very, she left us a very very good iTunes review. There's and a few. Of them. I think we actually we actually actually have three that we have not mm-hmm. done yet. So. Um, I'm not an orange, which I think is I someone think else on, on Twitter, but I can't remember who it is. Anyway, I appreciate all the statsy goodness offered up by CBC. What really gets me are the in-between the stats moments of this podcast, the soliloquy on man versus man's creation, the palpable collective energy of fandom versus concrete and Reedvar, and the Archie State Review pod touched my soul and gave me chills. And even though I have only the barest cursory understanding of Pokemon and D&D, I really enjoy the nerd tangents that y'all travel and how you wind them back around to relate to dog football. I look forward to the day when you hit on my particular anime, manga, fantasy, nerd niche. I'm really trying to figure out what this is. I won't tell you what it is. I will just enjoy it when it happens naturally. Hmm. Please carry on being good, good stats podcast boys. Now that your knowledge and uniqueness is appreciated by at least one non-former Redcoat listener, go dogs. Great guy. (laughs) You know, Uh, Kate. Well, yeah, I was going to say as far as anime, manga, nerd niche goes, currently i'm trying to get in not trying to i'm i'm deep into my hero academia now so if that is anywhere near it it might be thinking about watching jojo's bizarre adventure yeah i'm also thinking about about that i don't know anything about that i want to watch fairy that's crazy fairy tale's good (laughs) yeah next one next kb so uh, yeah this is actually who uh uh gave us a very sweet dm Yes. Love this podcast. This podcast made two of my favorite things, UJ and Stats. Love having information and feel more knowledgeable before games. You should follow and listen. Go dogs. Thank you. Thank and then you. finally, Athens Squire, the best Georgia football podcast. Hail Aww. and well met. Hail and well met, sir. <laughs> sir Squire. What a chivalrous thing of you to say. This was recommended to me after the Vandy game and has quickly become my favorite. A great mix of stars, humor, and intelligence. I think that they meant Stats. 
But I like to I think like that stars we are more. stars. We're a great mix I like of stars. stars way more. I like it so much more. <laughs> what a stupid All show right. we make. <laughs> yeah, we really do. The fact I'm just like it for to be like briefly serious, I am just a hundred percent so deeply humbled and fascinated and amazed that that we are popular at all and i just Mm -hmm. i think all of you from the bottom of my heart for this little dumb community that we've made over about this little dumb thing that we do yeah (laughs) that's what i was just sitting there with my head in my hands earlier today and i was looking at the numbers from this week because honestly losses actually help the show a lot Um, yeah numbers look look numbers look pretty good good. these guys these days guys thanks a lot (laughs) uh but it's just weird. I'm like, why does anybody want to? I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's fine. I appreciate it regardless of yeah, whether too. or not I can make sense of it. Let's see us out, Nathan. All right. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you like what you heard here today, there's several things you can do. One, you can hit us up with a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. We'd love it. You can share this on your Facebook or Twitter and just spread the good world. If it's good for the culture, it's good for us. We appreciate it. Two, if you really love it and you want to just throw us a little bit of money on the monthly, you can go to our pay- our Patreon. If you join our Patreon as low as $1, you can get on our Discord and just listen to us as we do this. And we have a little fun community down here. And mm. I don't know, it's just a good time. And we'd appreciate it. It's a great way to monetarily support us without having to really put that much of investment into it. If you want to rock our very, very cool logos, you can look on yeah. Etsy and search Chapel Bell Curve and you can buy some merch. If you want to get in touch with us to yell at us about things or whatever, or just to be nice, because most of you are actually very nice people, you can find us at Chapel Bell Curve at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us, uh, email us, uh, email us at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. You got almost, it. Almost nailed it. Almost got it nailed in one. it. We will see you this weekend as we take on the CATS Cats, Cats, Cats of Kentucky <laughs> on the game with 11 <laughs> players and not five. So we will probably win. But until then, Go dogs. Happy homecoming, everybody.